This is Walks of Life by In the Know and Some Friends. Hi, my name is My name is Hi, I'm 23 years old and I am currently in a little big town in the Midwest. It is beautiful and green out here these days. You can maybe hear the birds chirping and there's some crickets out too. I've been traveling a lot recently, but I'm in a brief little hiatus, kind of getting some funds for a little bit. I just picked up a waitressing gig and I actually just finished my first weekend of that. And (laughs) it kicked my ass for sure. Service is fucking hard. Um, Before this, I've kind of been all over. The travels that I've been doing, I've been traveling out of my Subaru Forester, living in that, and kind of been mostly just in the south and southwest. I've been in Nevada and spent time in Sedona, Arizona, Flagstaff, then continued on east into Albuquerque, New Mexico, went to stay with a partner in Dallas, Texas, and then stayed with some friends on their property just outside of Austin. And then I headed east to New Orleans, and then I pivoted and drove up all the way north to where my parents are at. I came here for a couple of reasons. I ran out of funds for a little bit and wanted to take a breather and have a shower and plumbing and all those conveniences and stuff just to take a breather from the car life because it is, you know, it's, it is just more effort to do anything (laughs) when you're living out of your car. Um, yeah. And, and then I also, I've also always wanted to try out waitressing. If you haven't noticed, I am in a bit of an explorative phase. For me, I'm someone who I always start from a place of discipline and like I've always been extremely driven and so I tend to pick a direction and then just double down on that. And that direction for me, for the most part, has been science. Um, I'm a research scientist. I'm probably going to return back to academia. I love science. It's really special to me. I think I know that science is, is going to be my home for the rest of my life, which, which is a nice thing to know. A lot of people, I think, get lost traveling, and the only thing that's home for them after all that is, is the road. But that isn't the case for me, surprisingly. Um, I was like an honors and AP kid in high school, worked myself to death. I remember I would like do homework until 3 a.m., but that was me. I'm just a really intense person. After school, I went to this uh, somewhat elite small research program within a much larger research university. And I was very research-minded, so I uh, predictably could not wait to get into research. I found someone who offered me a research position as a fall quarter freshman, and that was on viruses, and that was the beginning of my journey with microbes. Um, And I, I really did fall in love with my project. I still care about it a whole lot. And I spent most of college putting in late nights, I I played drums in my old band, and I remember having my concert clothes on, ripped stockings and all that, and then 
going into lab after the show that night to make sure my cultures were inoculated and donning a lab coat over those ripped stockings at like 1 or 2 a.m. And I liked it that way. I, I liked being able to really give myself to my craft. And I also don't like being told what to do. <laughs> so I liked that I was kind of in charge of my own schedule. And then pandemic hit while I was still in college. I decided I did not at all connect to this style of learning. And so I graduated early and then got hired on as a lab manager and research scientist kind of combo position. So, and, and that's kind of where I first realized the problems in science. I say in science, it's not really science, it's in how humans tend to practice science, at least here in America. So one of them was work-life balance. You know, like I said, I, I like being my own boss and, and choosing my own hours, but there was also, there was still this culture of pressure all around you. You were expected to give up your social life. I mean, really anything you needed, <laughs> you were expected to give up. Um, I remember my professor called this whole lab meeting just to tell us about how he thought that we shouldn't have carpools. Because some grad students or folks would carpool to get home. But if you have a carpool that leaves at a certain time, as he pointed out, then you can no longer stay a little bit longer if your experiment fails or, you know, things take longer because things are always changing in research. So he felt the need to really encourage us to uh, not make any plans after work, not have any plans for dinner or a carpool or anything like that. And, and really the, the only commitment he wanted us to be making was to our work. And this individual is the product of American academia, I, I, I would say. I, a lot of the problems I had in this lab are, are not unique to this lab. It's, it's kind of everywhere. It's this weird kind of masochistic, self-hating culture. You know, staying up all night, sleeping in the lab, talking about coming in on the weekends, and we all kind of normalize it and laugh about it and and there's even sometimes a competitiveness to it of uh, oh how many hours did you sleep last night how many experiments did you get done this week and it's weird it's <laughs> it's so not what science is about at least to me in my opinion I, I kind of feel like this is this is what you get when you take so okay you have science which is basically an infinitely long journey toward getting this ultimate understanding that is you know completely evasive to us now take that and put it in a capitalist type system where there's already not very good work-life balance we have this culture of defining ourselves by our careers i kind of didn't even know how to introduce myself to this podcast because well my careers have been changing recently and i think up until the last year i would just say i'm a scientist but now I'm, I was unemployed for a little bit, then I did some remote tutoring, now I'm a waitress all of a sudden. None of those things actually feel descriptive of who I am and, and come to think of it, neither does even being a scientist. Um, I was kind of noticing myself getting a little depressed once I started doing it full-time after I wasn't in school anymore. And one day I decided to go out on the weekend and do a little solo camping trip when I decided to have a mushroom trip while I was doing that and everything just seemed to dawn on me of like well first of all 
I'm not going anywhere working on this same project all the time. Uh, second of all, I'm not happy. Third of all, things shouldn't be run this way. It, it all of a sudden seems so crazy to me, spending all my time on just this when there was this crazy big world out there. I'm, I call myself a scientist. Well, scientists are supposed to be curious people. Why would I take my young life and <laughs> sign it away so early to this one project? It's not very curious at all. Growing up, my parents definitely provided well and kind of coddled us. I wasn't allowed to get a real job. I had this whole plan when I was 12 about how I would, <laughs> I would save away my money um, so that I could get a car by the time I was 15 and a half. They didn't like that. And they told me that school was my job. And so I really only did academic jobs. I would write grants and get scholarships for the work I was doing. It wasn't lavish by any means, but I still never had to bag groceries or wait tables like I am now. And so I didn't know what that was like. I didn't understand the value of money either. It was always something that was there to me. And it wasn't something that factored into my career choice either. Academics get paid jack shit, to be honest. <laughs> if, you, if you work in the private sector, you'll make a good amount of money. But being a professor at a public university, and that's the absolute dream. Even them, like my professor drived a beat-up minivan the first time I met him. And I was, <laughs> I was like, oh no, is this, this is what it looks like to make it in academia. Um, and see, I even say that with a smile on my face right now. There's kind of this like pride to being able to sacrifice yourself for your craft. Um, and I'm still sorting through how much of that is genuine and which comes from a sort of artificial place that's maybe not serving me so well. But anyway, um, this mushroom trip, as cliche as it is, was just very world-opening for me. And while I was on that trip, I was like, whoa, I think I've really got to quit my job. And then I was sober and I was driving home and it still felt true. I was realizing there was all these parts of myself that I didn't completely understand and, and parts of society that I didn't completely understand, which was baffling to me that there was so much of myself that I didn't even understand yet. I think I kind of knew that the world was bigger than what I was exposed to but I didn't realize that I was bigger um, things I've been realizing recently now that I've had the time to think about them is like I, I don't understand my attachment style completely yet I don't completely understand my. I'm getting there with my relationship with money I'm, I'm getting to understand how much of it can truly buy me happiness or at the very least peace of mind and what's my happy number where I'm, I'm covering my needs and a little bit more to give myself peace of mind. But I'm not, you know, entering into this sort of consumeristic trap. As I was driving home, they, there were all these just latent realizations coming to me as I was like, yeah, wait, actually, no, I, I think I should probably quit my job. And I think I, I probably could get away with not working full time for a while if I didn't have to pay for rent. And here's how I could do it. And I could just have a little bed platform and a little solar panel and a small car fridge that's charged off of that solar panel. 
these are all ideas I came up with on the trip and then like did research into and, and more or less ended up doing. Um, the rest was just me walking outside in nature and there was, I found out there was, there was very few needs I actually had from society and I could, I could go and live outside of society in, in the hills or something for you know weeks at a time, which was great for, for thought and contemplation. Um, I haven't spent much time with myself historically. I'm extremely extroverted. I love other people. I learn from other people, most of the skills, things that I'm interested in. Like, I'm a big climber. I'm really into jazz music. I also love rap. All those things came from spending time with other people who were into them and then learning from them. All the carpentry that went into building out my car so I could live out of it came from meeting someone and then having him teach me everything he knew. So I, I really like learning from people and I like people in general. They make me happy. They energize me. But as a result, I, I think I, I spend too much time around people and there's like a little bit of a toxic component to it where spending time with people is a bit of a crutch. And to be honest, I didn't have enough static time in my life to even realize that. I was just constantly going from moment to moment to moment to moment. If I wasn't at lab, if I wasn't playing music, I was with friends or I'm polyamorous, so with different partners. There's just constantly human stimulus around me. And when that stimulus is gone, it, it was really once I realized that, shit, I have to work on my relationship to myself. I'm really happy to say I've made a lot of progress with that. Um, and most of it came from this big, long car life period. So, yeah, after that trip, I, you know, kind of had the idea that I wanted to do this. And the most courageous thing I've ever done was take a break. Everything that I've learned from my time in academia tells me that taking a break is like career suicide. In fact, my professors use those words to describe my choice. <laughs> and it sure was scary. In this one lab meeting where I was presenting on all my new data, I mixed up the names of two similarly named amino acids, which, you know, is a huge mistake. It did make a difference whether I was talking about glutamate or glutamine for the presentation. So naturally my professor interrupts me to correct it, which was fine. I think I needed that. But then he just goes on and on about how dumb of a mistake it was and how he couldn't believe they let me graduate the university and I, I honestly wasn't even surprised to hear that. This is what I'm used to hearing. He, you know, would belittle all of us. But on this particular presentation, um, it stuck out to me the way he was treating me in front of my peers. And I kind of think it was because I had had the trip so recently. But for whatever reason, this particular comment was just too much this time. And so I went into his office the very next day and I quit. <laughs> and um, he definitely really wanted me back. And, you know, I actually, after I quit, it was funny. I, I talked to a couple of my other colleagues in the lab who were having similarly tough times. Maybe they were depressed or weren't happy with the opportunities they were being given, despite how much they were giving to the lab. And, you know... I told them, hey, I had the same problem, and, you know, I decided I deserve better, and I think you do too. 
And a couple of them actually quit right after me. And that was really uh, satisfying. <laughs> but it also was kind of this cool little ripple effect, all this stuff happening, really just because of one mushroom trip. So that's a little bit powerful to me. And yeah, I've just been learning, learning ever since, learning about the world and learning about myself um, living out of my car. Car life is hard. So I was challenged in ways I'm not normally challenged. Basically, before this, the only settings that I had been challenged were athletic and scientific. And so I didn't really know what it was like to really have to work hard for money. I was, you know, paying for my apartment and stuff at the time, but... I wanted to do that stuff anyway. Like, science isn't really work to me. I'd never, like, really sacrificed my autonomy for money before in the way that one does when you're told exactly when you're allowed to take a bathroom, a bathroom break and how you can speak to people and how you should be spoken to, what clothes you can wear. <laughs> That's been a big adjustment for me in this waitressing thing is... To be told I need to be wearing more solid colors and, in my manager's words, sleeves, <laughs> more sleeves. Um, and, and that's helpful because now when I am in a situation in the future where I don't have to do it, I'll be a lot more appreciative of that because I know what it's like. Also, as a woman, I learned to watch out for myself. I was doing car life solo. You know, didn't have a dog or anything like that. I had my little pocket knife, my little pepper spray, and this, like, alarm thing that my mom gave me. And I got into, like, quite a few sticky situations sleeping in cities I'd never been to before. I'm a pretty strong person, especially for a girl. Um, and so I don't think of myself as someone who's physically vulnerable, but I've noticed that just being a woman, people look at me that way. Which is weird to me. Like, having shady characters in the streets who I know are physically weaker than me. I've, like, men who I knew I could beat them at arm wrestling or whatever. And, you know, having them make me feel unsafe. And, and to have them just, like, feel no fear towards me. Um, despite, you know, me being a strong person, I, it's just by nature of my gender to have someone just kind of assume I can be taken advantage of really bugged me. But one thing I learned living in another car too, and having to deal with these situations was, uh, how to be rude if I needed to, you know, for, for survival's sake, which is something I don't normally do. I'm, I'll stay talking to someone who's being kind of inappropriate with me because I didn't want to be rude by walking away because women in our society are you know taught we need to be very pleasable that was a very valuable lesson having just all that negative space with myself where I wasn't filling it with people because I was in cities where I didn't quite have partners or friends yet and I didn't have a full-time job anymore. I would, I would work a couple hours a week just to pay for gas and food. But in that, I had a lot of time to sit with myself. And so I realized there were all sorts of psychological things that I really wanted to work on. For instance, I realized I don't have a great relationship with my body, and I never have. And that's something I want to fix before I volunteer all of myself to a profession again.
well, I don't think I'm going to volunteer all of myself for a profession again. Working full-time again, it's, it's going to be a big difference from what I have now, where I have all this time to journal and think and meditate and, you know, do yoga and really be with my mind and body. And so I'm, I'm learning right now how to have that relationship and, and what my psychological and physical routines are going to be so that I can maintain them once I'm in a situation where I don't have as much free time. It's kind of crazy to me that I was even ever planning on going into a PhD without having done all this internal work. And I think about a lot of my old peers in the lab and people are, are unhappy when they don't know the full extent of their psychological and physical needs and, and how to meet them. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm realizing if I don't have all those bases covered, I won't be able to really meet all those grand aspirations I have. It's not just about how much time you spend in the lab working on something. It's really about the quality of that time. And it's complex. Humans are complex. And to reduce work down to something so simple as, okay, more time, more work, more results... That's just not how people work. And that was something kind of surprising to me that, you know, scientists who are supposed to be so familiar with complex systems would assume of themselves and each other that we were such simple systems that we could just push ourselves without paying attention to any of those kind of deeper, more subtle needs so I think I've, I've established some standards for myself, and I, I'm confident that once I'm going back into a PhD, I'm going to make sure it's somewhere where I can communicate those needs and my boss or my peers you know, will have no problem allowing me to, to make sure I'm, I'm fulfilling them, and hopefully they are fulfilling theirs as well. So... I'm really happy I took that one big courageous step and walked away, took a took a freaking break. Sure was scary in the beginning. Um, but now, I, I mean, I can't imagine where I'd be if I hadn't. Walks of Life is produced by In The Know, Some Friends, and Salt. It was created by Kareem Rama. Executive producers for In The Know are Alexander Hughes and Jordan Walker. Senior producer for In The Know is Alexandra Katsalis. Executive producers for Some Friends are Kareem Rama, Andrew Kuo, Keilani Esparza, and Eamon Ismail. Original audio production, music, and sound design by Salt. Executive producers for SALT are Noah Gersh, Jamie Sheffman, Nick Panama, and Kenzie Wilbur. SALT Head of Production, Liz LeMay. SALT Head of Engineering, Jordan Galvin. SALT Head of Post-Production, Robert Adler. Edited and mixed by Parisa Kazemi. Sound design and additional audio editing by Noah Kowalski. Original music and composition by Jasper Van Dyke, courtesy of Extreme Music. 